The following podcast contains language that is not suitable for everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Super Skull Show comic book podcast, where we sometimes talk about comic books and other things. This is issue number 229 for the week of April the 3rd in the year of 2019. I'm joined with my ever-ready hosts, Aaron Polk. What up? And we got Marcus Schwimmer as well. Hello! How y'all doing today? I'm doing great. How you doing, man? I'm, ju- I'm juiced. The weather's good. I'm feeling, I'm feeling springy. My thighs are on fire. Why are your thighs on fire? I, I walked up the steps like two at a time because I was going to be like, cool, I'll go up these four floors two at a time, like cool guy. And oh, my... so like basic movement made your thighs burn. Hey, whoa, easy, Tex. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, now my thighs are micro-vibrating, so whatever. Uh... Micro-vibrating. <laughs> you guys want to do something in the news? Of course we do. What you got? I'm going to start us off with a bombshell, a huge mega... T- Tetonic plate shifting news announcement. That's from, pretty fucking huge. It's so huge. DC Comics has announced that they are changing the logo of Detective Comic Books, you guys. About ti- it's about time. So it's <laughs> about, about time. time. <laughs> so, so this is the first logo change for Detective Comics in 16 long years, you guys. Mm-hmm. So we're not going to have the classic detective and then comics. You know, you're gonna have to look it up because it's a podcast. So. That's but that's the, so. No, no, I think we can describe. I this. will describe the Detective Comics logo if Please. I if I can give it my the current or the new one. The current. Mm-hmm. It is block letters. Mm-hmm. They're usually in a, like a red or a black. Typically, it says Detective, all capitals, Detective. Uh-huh. Yeah. And then underneath it, just a little smaller, right in the middle, it says Comics. In that same kind of blocky, shitty letters that we've had for 16 years. You like this logo. I love it. And I only write in all caps, so I agree fully with their capital letter choice. I think lowercase letters are for assholes. You know, that's actually, well, we don't have to get into this, but as somebody who works in comics, that's a thing that is actually hotly debated amongst comic creators is do you use mixed cases? Do you only use uppercase? Do you only use lowercase? Do you do a mix? Yeah, never mix. Gross. It, uh, that is an easy way to catch a room of comic creators on fire. Nice. I would love to do that yeah. sometime. Yeah, it's super interesting. Sweet. But so that's the old. It's just block lettering detective underneath yeah, comics. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Polk, do you want to try to describe? You're probably better at this than I am. The new detective comics logo because I think it's dope. Yes, I I also think that it is super sweet. It is the Batman logo. It's like the symbol that you always see on Batman's chest. Um, what what? Era of Batman symbol? Do you think this is that look? That looks new fifty two ish, but mm-hmm. that's just at a glance. Yeah, it's like it's wider. It's a little bit fatter than your standard bat symbol. Uh, but the top half of it is um, blue, and it says Batman. And then the bottom half is yellow, and it's Detective Comics. It's it's along the lines of the same blocky font, um, but it's. Much more, it's it's much less serious. It's a lot more appealing, yeah, to the eye, and like I think we, it's a lot more eye grabbing. That's for sure, for sure. And I think we talk about trying to get new people to read comics on here all the time. You blah, think blah, this blah, logo blah. is going to do it? 
I think it's very bold. I think, I think it's. It, I think it's more interesting. I think yeah. it might catch the eye a little it's bit. It's a little it, more modern. Get the kids with this one. It has color in it, so that's a positive. You yeah. know what I mean? It's the I word think it's Batman cool. is prominently featured, which I'm sure yes. was thought about at the higher levels, right? I mean, everybody loves Batman. He's the greatest yeah. of all time. So. Yeah, really. What this? What this logo? What you are reading when you see this logo is Batman Detective. So it's Batman right. Detective comics. Nice. <laughs> Batman is a detective. Comic books. Well, you, not quite. But. You sound like you're sad to see the old logo go, hey, you know what? Look, don't rock the boat sometimes. I mean, sometimes do rock the boat. This logo's okay. I don't hate it. It's fine. It's whatever. You know, whatever. Fine. Mm-hmm. I think it's great. This logo, we should say, is going to premiere on the 1,001st issue of Detective Comic Books coming out next week. Comic shops everywhere. And listeners, if, if you take a look at this logo, and I implore you That's to do April it. That's April 10th of 2019. And, and you like it. Which you will, because it's significantly better than the old logo. Eh. Write us in and tell Curtis that he's full of shit. That's, uh, you know, <laughs> just write us in. Well, who designed this logo? Because he's a pretty neat uh, character in the comic book landscape. Yeah, so it was designed by Ken Lopez. He was the art director uh, for lettering at DC Comics since 2014. And uh, when it's, it's unfortunate that letterers often get... Um, Push to the side when we talk Fucking about. Amen. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> when so, we talk about comic creation, it's usually writer, artist. Occasionally, we'll talk about the inker or the colorist. Very rarely do we talk about the letter. But Ken Lopez has worked really hard to give DC a push in the right direction with lettering diversity and all this kind of cool stuff. And now he's taken on the logo of Detective Comics, and I think I, I applaud you, Mr. Lopez, because I think you did a great job. Yeah, you did okay. Fuck off, Curtis. Uh, moving <laughs> on. Marcus, you have some news about uh, a new digital comics platform? That's right. There is a new way to read comics coming to the mass market, and that is a company called Inky Pen. And what really caught my eye about this is that Inky Pen has chose to launch on the Nintendo Switch. Um, and they are planning to go to other platforms later, but their initial launch will be on, on the Switch. Um, and, you know, they're large. I went through their comics catalog last night. It's not as big as Comixology. It's not as developed as Comixology, the other big digital download service for comic sure. books. But they have some stuff that Comixology just doesn't have. If you're looking for European comics, if you're looking for web comics, some interesting manga, um, I think that Inky Pen is going to be a better service for you. Um, what really caught my eye is that uh, they're launching with a very large Humanoids collection. Humanoids being one of the most renowned European comic companies out there to date. Yeah, it's such a weird mix to me on paper, right? Because lots of, uh, you know, highbrow European comic creators, you know, Mobius and Jodorowsky, and like these are like cutting edge European comic creators. And uh, it just that this is the switch market. The right market for these books. Somebody seems to think so, and they do. And they also say that they're in plan. They're in talks with some of the larger manga companies to bring manga. That makes tons to, of to sense. Event, to me. Which makes tons of sense. Yeah. So for certain Nintendo devices, there's like an A screen and a B screen. If you open like the new Game Boys, okay, and stuff. You know, they have they have like a double screen. Yeah. Weird. But this is going to allow you to read comics. So you can either throw them up on your TV, which I think is really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, you can view them on the Switch controller, which is like a little mini screen all by itself. 
or if you have any of the Game Boys that are the double screen, you can flip those open and panel A will be on your on one of the screens and panel B will be on the other. Interesting. Which is really, really cool. Are you talking about like the Nintendo DS? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yep. That makes a lot more sense. So they're launching on Nintendo. Their website is up, but they're going to let you browse their comics. They have a bunch of free comics on there now. What really caught my eye is they have a very large collection of like comic strip comics that you can read. And I haven't seen that in any other digital providers. So things like mm. Calvin and Hobbes and Peanuts and Dilbert, my favorite Sunday morning cartoon. Dilbert? Born Loser. Oh, okay. Is one okay. of my absolute favorites. Um, it's definitely Calvin and Hobbes is the best. But yeah, I agree. Sure. But I haven't seen that on any other streaming sites. So they are creating a catalog that is a little different than just the big two. They have a ton of Dark Horse ton of Titan, ton of IDW. So they are having some more of like the mainstream comics, but they're also going back and pulling these catalogs. With that Dark Horse, though, and this is what is really selling me on it, Okay, is I can now read Lone Wolf and Cub, my favorite manga of all time, Interesting. on my television all blown up so you can get in there and see the art and all that stuff. Okay. I think it's really cool. It's Inky Pen. It's going to cost $7.99 a month. You can check it out on their website, inkypen.com. Add it to your fleet of monthly on-demand subscriptions. It's going to be great. That's right. Nice. We did it. We did all the news, you guys. That's it? There's none? Just two newses this week. We have uh, another thing this week that came out, you guys. Previews Magazine. I love previews. We haven't talked about previews for a long time. I feel like it's been a grip. Curtis, explain to me what Previews Magazine is. Just in the quickest of ways. It's a giant catalog. It comes from the biggest comic distributor in the world, Diamond. You mean the only one? The only one. Thank you. And uh, it's this 600-page beast of a catalog that's, here's all the comics coming up in two months. You should order them in advance because it's a weird business where you have to order things in advance by two months because it's comic books. And this is for customers or is it for retailers? So so it's for both. It goes to comic shops uh, all around the world. If you have a comic book store, you probably get your comic books more than likely through this catalog, previews. And uh, it comes with like a bunch of supplementary catalogs, a Marvel one, a DC one, an Image one. It's ridiculous. So many catalogs. But it's pretty exciting. Every month around the last Wednesday or the first Wednesday of the month, we get a new giant catalog, and we get to look at all the exciting new solicitations. So uh, this month was no different, and there's some cool stuff in here, y'all. There is. As there always is. We each picked one thing that we think is uh, one comic or graphic novel, toy, whatever, that we think is something that you, the listener, should keep an eye out for and talk to your comic shop about. Oh, I picked three. You picked three. Yeah, well, you broke all of the rules. Yep. Can Whoops. I go? Can I just go first with my one because it's the best one? Do it. I will fight you on that. So, sure. Marvel Comics is coming out with a new Silver Surfer book. It's called Silver Surfer Black. Nice. It's by Donnie Cates and uh, Trad Moore. Donnie Cates being the writer, and you know Donnie Cates from Guardians of the Galaxy and Venom, both very good books. He is one of the. I, yeah, it's weird. I used to say that Donnie Cates was a up and coming comic book creator, but he's kind of established he's himself. Yeah, he's arrived. If you will. Um, but, he, you know, he's he's newer to the comic book industry, but his Guardians of the Galaxy run, I think, is some of the best Guardians shit Ton I've ever read. Yep. It's a lot of fun. It's going on right now. It's three issues in. And he does cosmic really, really well. Not every comic book writer can do cosmic Marvel. So I'm excited to see what Cates is going to do 
with Silver Surfer. The idea is that a black hole has opened up and a bunch of superheroes have been sucked through that black hole <gasps> into like a dark reality. And Silver Surfer is one of them. We haven't seen a lot of Silver Surfer lately in the Marvel Universe. Um, there's been like Cosmic Ghost Rider who's kind of filling in for him at the moment. Mm-hmm. Silver Surfer is one of my favorite Marvel characters. He was one of Stan Lee's favorite characters. Um, in Previews Magazine, they show some of the panel layouts. It looks like we're looking at a comic that's going to push the boundaries a little bit, break the mold for how panels, individual comic panels, are supposed to be laid out. In what way? Um, you know, usually we see comics in a 4x4, four 6x6, four, six six, right? So that means they're four panels or six panels on a page. And that's speaking like most boilerplate, most, right? I mean, yeah, you, you yeah, definitely yeah. have a lot more variety these days, but yes. Sure. Mm-hmm. But here we have one where it's like one long panel on the bottom and like ten little tiny thin panels up at the very, very front. Anytime I see someone playing with that panel work, it looks like we're going to have a lot of really intense inking on this book. Um, I'm just really excited. The art looks beautiful. It's by a team of comic creators that I trust. And I, I miss Silver Surfer. Um, he's he's one of those great Marvel characters that I don't want in every single story, but I think he works really, really well as an individual kind of lone character for a book. I think he's great. So I'm really looking forward to Silver Surfer Black. Number one, it's a limited series of five by Donny Cates and Tread Moore. If this sounds like something you're into, ask your comic shop about it. Cool. That's a good pick. I am also excited about that one. Uh, Polk, what do you got? I have chosen Space Riders Vortex of Darkness. Yes. Yes. Um, Older listeners of the show might remember a couple of years ago, back in 2015, Curtis would not shut up about Space Riders Volume 1. I just think we were all completely obsessed with that book when it came out. It was so visually stunning. It's just, holy shit, good. Yeah, so the original Space Riders was written by Fabian Rangel Jr., and drawn by Alexis Zerit. It was crazy psychedelic. Um, the way that I often describe it is if an 80s hair metal band were a comic book. Ooh. It's definitely inspired by that like Led Zeppelin. Yeah. Co- but it's also punk rock. It's like It's very punk it's rock. It's like what if it's... Thrasher magazine and Took Star Wars got then, together. Yeah. yeah. I don't yeah, it, it, to me it screams like Late 70s, early 80s rock concert poster. It's definitely playing on some of the older comic styles. It has some callback to Jack Kirby. For very sure. much so, especially in the coloring. But the original story was very much like a space cowboy thing. So we got your, your Han Solo type character, Captain Pellegro, Captain Danger. And then we've got a, like, a zen kind of... Buddhist a space orangutan guy who's our Chewbacca. Yeah, he's a big space monkey. You know, got a super sexy robot lady who will just kill anything that moves. Uh, so, you know, it's got a lot of tropes that it's playing yeah. with. But they also ride around on a giant skull that is their spaceship. Yes, the Santa Morte. It is fucking awesome. And that whole first volume is Captain Pellegro has to do one final hit, right? Yeah. And, like, before he can really, truly go into retirement. So there was the volume one, there was the volume two. It's been a while since we've seen any Space Riders stuff. And volume one for a long time was not in print. It was really hard to get. Volume two was pretty readily available, but volume one was kind of, it had disappeared, right? So this volume three, I I don't quite know if this is going to be volume three or just an additional Space Riders book, you know? Um, yeah, we got a different writer on this one. We have a different writer. This is Carlos Gifani. And from what I can tell, this is his first comic. That's terrifying. I, I mean, I 
I'm hopeful because it's Alexis Zerit staying on the artwork and there's a lot of like just really out there crazy sci-fi monsters that you see nowhere else, right? Definitely got uh, the giant robot influence of the early 80s yeah. like, uh, you know, Mazinger and this kind of stuff. So if you ever remember those big Shogun Warrior toys, mm -hmm. yeah. you know, big bold colors, you know, horned heads. Yeah, so. Yeah, it has that. It also just has, like, some really, really amazing world building. Um, it It's just a really fucking good comic book. It's got good swears. It's just great. Yeah, uh, very well written. It reminds me of, like, a newspaper comic almost. Um, the feel of it is very newspaper comic. But this new, this new Space Riders that's coming out in a couple of months here is... The, uh, the quote for it is, it's a suicidal mission into an infinite vortex of blood and death. Like, Perfect. That is my shit. I want to read that, and I want to read that right now. Add that to my comic book subscription, please, comic shop owner. Shit, yes. Curtis, I know you picked three, but we're, we're tight on time. Okay. So just give me the best one. Gosh, it's so hard. I'm going to pick Bottom Feeders from Fantagraphic Books. And this book is spelled B-T-T-M-F-D-R-S, Bottom Feeders. And this is by Ezra Clayton Daniels and Ben Passmore. Uh, ben Passmore, we know from a million good comic books. Uh, Dayglow A-Hole is his current book that I highly recommend you check out. Mm -hmm. It's like stories about folks living in the apocalypse. And this apocalypse is a little more mundane than your classic apocalypse. Yeah, shit hits the fan and the whole world's blown up and you know there's no electricity or whatever. But people are just kind of like, I don't know, think about people who are lazy now, they're still lazy after the shit has hit the fan. It's really, really funny, cannot recommend it enough. He also did a book called Your Black Friend, which was amazing. Hunt it down, Where, wherever comics are sold, you're gonna love this thing. I'm really excited for this collaboration. Uh, Bottom Feeders is a hardcover coming from Fantagraphics uh, in July. So this is about Darla, who is a fashion designer, and her friend Cynthia. And they decide that they're going to move into a rundown neighborhood in Chicago uh, because the rent is cheap. So, uh, But things are not what they seem in this old working class town now known as the Bottom Yards. Uh, horror lurks in the walls. So this book is described by the publisher as a cross between Jordan Peele's Get Out, which is a fantastic horror movie from last year. You should totally, you should totally check out Get Out and uh, John Carpenter's The Thing. So you smash those two things together and you put this creative team on it, slam dunk, get this book. I cannot wait for it. So, how, how many will you be ordering for the shop? Uh, a Ballpark. A cabillion. For the shop, Vault of Midnight, Ann Arbor, let's just give the Ann Arbor numbers here, 50 copies. 50 copies? Of a $30 graphic novel. And that is not for subscribers like that's for the shelf? That's for the shelf. We're going to make a pyramid of this book. You heard it. Yeah, so I, that, there's a lot of good stuff in this this issue of previews, but if I'm picking one thing, that's the one. Don't miss it. And that's previews. Check awesome. It Check it out at your local comic shop. It's this huge catalog. If you don't know what it is, just ask somebody who works at a comic shop. Say, hey, what's up with this giant catalog? Can you show it to me? This looks horrible. Tell me what to get. And they'll do it. They'll help you. Cool. We did previews, you guys. We did it. What do you guys want to talk about now? Some comic books? I mean, yeah. can we? I was. I just want to say that, like, it's been on my mind, and I have both of you here, and both okay. of you are part of this. Is uh -huh. like this last Sunday we all hung out 
yeah. together and played board games and ate charcuterie. We did. It was lovely. Yes. Which I thought was very, very, very nice. And uh, I just can't get out of my mind how ridiculously competitive Polk was <laughs> while playing this game. And I think we need to talk about it. You are just jealous. No, that... I think we need to have a power gamer intervention, Curtis. Oh, God. How do you feel? I made this banner. Uh-huh. And it says intervention oh. on it. Okay. I hope I spelled it right. Oh. You did not. Well, no. I, Polk, I'm worried about your board gaming. Okay. All right. I feel like you're not loving the game. I think you're just in it for the W. Now, Polk is a professed... What they call in the biz, in the, in the hobby, a min-maxer. Yes. Where no matter what, and this means no matter what game you're playing, if it's very theme heavy, if you're in a haunted house game or whatever it is, that you, you are not going to make necessarily the choice that's going to be thematically satisfying or that's going to like benefit the group, as it were. It's going to get you the most points. Gentlemen, I did not come here to be attacked. <laughs> <laughs> Look, you won the game. I did, right? yes, I'll give I'm you, very I'll, proud of that. Yeah, and I'll give you that. Did you have fun? Oh, I had lots of fun. Would you have had fun if you lost? Marcus. Marcus, one of my favorite things in this whole world is kicking your ass. No, no, no. But I'm serious. I fucking love it so much. Would you have had fun playing that game if you would have lost? Yeah. I'm worried, Polk, that you're you're not stopping to smell the roses... You're just heading straight for the victory line. Look, don't, I don't know. That is how I have fun. So I wasn't. What's s- wrong with me? <laughs> I wasn't sitting next to Polk uh, at this particular game, but I'll tell you, I mean, I've kicked Aaron's ass at any number of games. I know, and I hate it. And it seemed to go fine. Did you, was it okay? Did you internalize yeah, it? Yeah, I, I mean, mean, you know, since I've won, I've like canceled the several hits that I've had put out right on, on you. But, cool, thank you. Know, you. Yeah. I just think we should play a cooperative game that has no win condition. I will still beat your beat beat you. I, I will. will still I will you. still win by some metric. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right, I, challenge accepted. <laughs> yeah. I think that's what that means. No, I don't. I don't. I don't think, know why you brought me here. I don't think that's true. You're not leaving until we play a board <laughs> game and you lose. <laughs> All right. So this is not about wow, me. Wow, it's this, really not. No, this is not, not about me. This is about Marcus <laughs> and his ego. Don't and turn his the table. Inability to lose. Don't turn I the table. I think Curtis. It's a reverse intervention. Curtis, I have called you here <laughs> because we need to have an intervention with Marcus. He has a complex where he is unable to accept defeat. This wow. has gone He's terribly wrong. Not able to lose. <laughs> Moving on. Which is weird because he constantly loses. You'd think I know, he'd get right? used to it. Yeah. Anywho, let's talk about some comic books. Uh, let's. Uh, this week we all read a stack of comic books. And uh, we picked a couple that we'd like to talk further about. We're going to start with a comic. A loser comic. That we we didn't totally love. And uh, we're going to get that out of the way. It's Major X number one from Marvel Comics and Rob Liefeld. And yes, Rob Liefeld, the legendary comic book creator, uh, famous for his runs on uh, Marvel comic books in the early 90s. We're talking X-Men. New Mutants. New Mutants. Deadpool, creator of the famed character Deadpool. Yes, he went on to co-found Image Comic Books in 1992, 93 with Todd McFarlane and that whole crew. He's really important to comics. He's very, very important. We should say that right out of the the gate here. This dude is, comics would be totally different without Rob Liefeld and I think less good. Yes, I agree. I I think that you cannot talk about modern day comics and, and companies like Image without respecting Rob Liefeld and what he has done for the industry. I think it's really, really important to remember, even when he puts out books that are not as good as we want them to be, that he has done some really, really amazing stuff. No, let's talk about his Marvel creations. Uh, 
Marcus mentioned a few. We got Deadpool, obviously. We got Cable, who was in the in the Deadpool two movie. You know, Josh Brolin playing That's right. playing Cable. That's the dude with the metal arm and the glowing eye. A Domino, who was also in the recent Deadpool movie, yeah. is a creation of Rob Liefeld. So those are some characters that everybody knows. Here's some characters that you may not know. Uh, Youngblood, he created over at Image Comics. He created a group called Bloodstrike. But he, yes, also, yes, he, he also created a group called Bloodpool. And he created a character called Blood Wolf. This dude loves putting blood in the name of his books. I think he just loves blood. He just loves blood. He's a blood lover. He might be a vampire. Hey, there's some blood in Major X. We'll get to that in a minute. Guys, I don't think I've ever seen a picture of Rob Liefeld aged. I think he might actually be a vampire. This is what he's actually sucking blood. Yeah. Wow. Well, you heard it here first. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, shit. So, uh... Yeah, he's an important dude. He's created a lot of stuff. Here we are. This is sort of a major thing, right? This is a new Marvel series totally helmed by the legendary Rob Liefeld. This is the first time he's done a Marvel book all by himself in a very long time. And not only is it a new book with Rob Liefeld, it's the debut of a brand new character. A couple new characters, a couple, it turns out. which we do not get that often. Yeah. Um, which I think adds to my bummerness about this comic. But Major X is about like a... a police officer, a military police officer, essentially from a, a different reality. Yes. Where mutants have all gathered together and created a civilization. And it's great. It's and a it's mutant a great, utopia. It's a, it's a mutant utopia. That's right. And something goes wrong. And he only has a couple seconds to, to try to do something. So he gets on his hyperbike and he jumps back in time and ends up in like modern day... Marvel. Marvel. Yeah. Sure. He looks like Judge Dredd, kind of. He has a giant oversized helmet that has a big X on the front of it. Uh Uh-huh. And then he's wearing kind of your classic skin-tight body suit. Pretty pretty Deadpool-y. Yeah, very Deadpool-y. Yeah, it's a red and gray jumpsuit, pretty much, that has an X over the chest and a glowing oval on his chest. Sure. Right? So he jumps back with- No pouches, oddly enough. Yeah, that's true. Which is something that Rob Liefeld was known for doing in the 90s. But he jumps back with Beast or some kind of future incarnation of Beast. Um, And he just so happens to jump in on Liefeld's old friends, Cable and Domino, Wolverine, and they fight. Well, he he supposedly has to come back in time to, to find Cable, but for some reason he has to kick his ass first. Yeah, don't know why. We don't know why. Yeah. And uh, we we get to the end of the book, and um, we find out that Major X is actually Cable's son. Spoiler from the future. Yeah, he he totally is, and you knew that before this book even came out because Marvel released a second printing with a photo of Major X on the cover. A photo, a drawing of Major X on the cover with his helmet off, revealing who it is. So I don't, yeah, and I don't want to spend too much time talking about why this book was bad because we all agree it was it was a bad comic book. Um, but the thing that really stuck out to me is, um, it's, it's a bummer that Marvel is putting their resources into something like this. This had coverage outside of your regular kind of comic book news coverage sites. This was in larger mainstream media. Marvel put energy behind this. They put money into it. And it's a bummer because we get the reveal of two brand new characters in this book, uh, Major X in, <laughs> in Dreadpool. I Major X I know. is a terrible name for a character. And Dreadpool is literally like a 
a slightly he's not even a bad version of Deadpool. He's like exactly like Deadpool he is, but with shoulder pads. He's got shoulder pads and like a metal helmet. Well, he's so supposedly this is what I got because this was a pretty hard book to understand. Supposedly he's some kind of like time time anomaly version of Deadpool. Okay. Maybe. I don't know. Dude's it, name is Dreadpool. It was yeah. very difficult to follow this book. But like it just really bums me out as someone who loves comic books and as someone who's a reader of comic books that this is what Marvel is putting energy into. It's like, I agree with you, Polk, that Rob Liefeld had a moment in comic book history. He had history. a couple of moments, you know? Well, yeah. he, he had a very good couple years there in the 90s yeah. where Rob Liefeld was leading the charge kind of at Marvel. Yeah. And I just I want to acknowledge that that happened, but I think we also need to be able to look and say, like, Marvel, this is not what we want you to put out. I think it's okay as fans to say that because Marvel just canceled a bunch of books and some of them were pretty good. West Coast Avengers. West Coast Avengers is more than pretty good. I think it's in their top tier of output. Great comic book. And it just Killer got canceled. And how many more issues of West Coast Avengers could we have gotten if we didn't have Major X? How many young creative teams of new talent could we have put on the payroll to create new characters that we haven't seen before instead of going back to live film. Take take the budget for Major X and spend it on marketing for a, you know a book that already is out there. Sure, yeah. or let's get some or hire new folks. Let's yeah. get some new talent and even if they throw something at the wall and it doesn't stick, at least we're trying something new. This is just there is nothing different about Major X than there was when Liefeld was doing comics in the 90s. If anything, I think his writing has gotten worse. I think I think you're absolutely right. Yeah. You're onto something there. This is this doesn't do anything new uh, that Rob hasn't. He he repeats himself a lot, and that that's the the saddest part about modern Rob Liefeld is he did do some cool stuff. Arguably, he had a huge impact on the industry, but he's just spinning his wheels. He's just this book here. There's a breakdown on Bleeding Cool that shows how he essentially rewrites New Mutants 98 or and rewrites and redraws it almost panel by panel. It's pretty troubling. It's We've already read a better version of this comic book 20 years ago. Yeah. That's crazy, right? I do. I feel weird about this, but I do want to play devil's advocate here. Do it. I love it. Right. So I agree that it is a shame that Marvel is canceling some books that really don't deserve it. Like and but Rob Liefeld has weight to his name. He sure automatically. Does. Yep. Just by having his name on something whether he was the writer or the artist or maybe just like had a hand in editing or something like that, his name being on the cover of a book will instantaneously sell it to the people who are diehard fans of his. And here's the thing. If Rob Liefeld has fun making comic books and it is his passion and it's something that he loves and he loves putting it out and it makes people out there happy yeah. to be reading more of his shit, then that's awesome. Yeah, Honestly. If, if this book finds an audience, I mean, you Let know, them have their sure, fun. right. Like, that, that is, I don't want to say cancel books because he's shitty at art or shitty at writing because honestly, I think that there are people who make comics that are worse at art and who are worse at writing. But- Yes, this is its own special breed. This is its own kind of pocket. It's borderline offensive. Yeah, and, yeah, and yeah. Honestly, it's right there. I didn't hate this book. This is going to sound really weird, especially for me. It sounds so weird. I didn't hate this book until the very end, um, and the reason that I ended up hating it is because Domino is the only female in this book, 
and she is knocked out for almost all the book, and then she wakes up at the end and tries to punch a guy, and he, he just says, you punch like a girl, and kicks her ass. See? And, like, that's it. That's her only use in there. And and I thought that that was super inappropriate, and I really didn't dig the way that it was done. But before that, like, I think it's not so much I didn't hate the book before reading it so much as it was, like, I couldn't give a shit. This is not the book for me. So why would I spend energy hating this? And, and, sure. But this is where I'm going to disagree with you a little bit is, is I think what you just said proves my point a little bit. Like, people may like this book and people might laugh at that domino joke, but I would hope that we can we can make better stuff. We can get those people to see the light. We have gotten to a stage where we're, we're not making jokes about a woman punching light because she's a woman, right? Like, we've moved past that. Yeah. And that's shitty comic book humor that we don't need anymore. Yeah, we have a lot of really, really awesome female characters now that we just didn't have 20 years ago. Right, so I don't think that just because you you write comics in a particular moment and you, you become a celebrity in the comic world in a particular moment that you are guaranteed that you should be able to write comics for the rest of time. You know, Rob Liefeld's stuff is not good anymore. Yeah. You know, I would I would make an argument that Frank Miller's stuff has new stuff, does not hold weight compared to the new comic industry. All right, okay, and take just, it easy. No, but, you know, and this is just my opinion as a comic reader, but the bigger thing is, is, like, if Dynamite put this book out, a smaller publisher, I probably wouldn't give two shits, to be completely honest with you. But the fact is, is that, like... Marvel coming back to Liefeld to try to get his fan base back. Well, you it, don't know that. You don't know that if that it was Marvel going to rob Liefeld and saying, hey, we want you to do this. It, it more than likely, with the way that Marvel operates, was Rob Liefeld having a script and going to Marvel and yep. saying, hey, yep. I want to do this. Yep. Sure. At the end of the day, someone at Marvel stamps it and says, good to go. Right? So, you know, I just don't think that this book would have gotten past that editorial stage if it didn't have Rob Liefeld's name on it. Yeah, and who, that's who a knows? real bummer because that means that we're pushing stuff through on name alone, and I, I, that's just not the well, kind of comics I want to read. Of course, and and this is the thing, and I think, Polk, you make a good point. Uh, you know, vote with your bucks. Yeah. You know, if this book gets made, fine. It went through the channels, however that happened. I don't love it because there's other stuff I think that Marvel sure. could spend more time on. But, hey, if, this, if people want to buy this book, more power to them. But... Yeah. Uh, that does that, and I'm I'm gonna finish with saying this was a very terrible comic book. Yeah, and that, I don't that really broke my mind. I so, don't want to sound um, like I'm defending Rob Liefeld. I don't want to sound like I'm defending these are all good points. Comic books. Yeah, really, what I'm saying is like this. I I don't think that it is our place to shit on what makes other people happy. Um, it, well, no, I don't, and I don't think we're doing that. No, we're, you no, know, no. we're trying to critique I, this thing, but yeah, but, I yeah. think there's a difference between shitting on something and in critiquing it. I agree, but it it's. You know, there is, the, the Rob Liefeld train is old and worn. It is something that people have been wanting to talk about since, you know, the New Mutant stuff in the 90s. Like, the comic fandom really loves being either on the love or the hate side of Rob Liefeld, you know? For sure. And I A am, polarizing creator, for sure. Yes. And I think there is some interesting discussion behind you know looking at these older creators who are kind of lost in time like they want 
they want it to be the 90s and they haven't moved on from that. And I include in that Ry Blyfold and I include in that Frank Miller and I include there's a couple of people who have never adapted their their style and they haven't moved on to what modern comics are right now. Sure. Do you think that we as the viewers and we as the fan base are putting too much scrutiny on these people who have not moved on or you know, do you think I, I think if it has an audience, it has an audience. But if I'm the editor at Marvel Comics, this would never fly. Yeah. yeah. I would, as a creative director at one of these companies, I would I would just shut this down and say, sorry, there's a, there's many other avenues for Rob, Love, Rob Liefeld to get published, Yeah, whether it's a, a crowdfunding thing or something like this. But man, yeah, there's a lot of good books that uh, fall to the wayside because they're not marketed or presented uh, at these firms. Because they put not, you know, Marvel's putting out 120 comic yeah. books a week. You know, or a month, excuse me. So they got a lot of, sh- you know, balls they're juggling or whatever. This wouldn't be a ball if I was editor over at Marvel Comics. I, you, I think much like Cable, Rob Liefeld is stuck out of time. Ho! Oh, and so, let's end it on that. And let's end it on that. All righty. And that's Major X. Can we talk about a good book? Yeah. What did you read this week that you really loved? War of the Realms number one is out this week, and it's a big summer Marvel crossover event. It's a six-issue thing. It's 40 pages, big fat kickoff issue, and it has a million crossovers and tie-ins, and it's tied into the whole Marvel Universe. It's classic Marvel summer event where if you wanted to buy every book in this run, all the peripheral side stuff, you'd probably be buying 70, 80 comic yeah, books. Yeah, you can Easy. buy a house. It's yeah. a lot of, lot of shit to read, right? So we talk trash a lot of times on this show about these kind of events at the big two. Marvel and DC are very known for this Marvel very, very much loves to get their readers to buy a ton of books because they're all tied together. But credit when credit is due, my dude. Here's the thing. This book was good. So this book was incredible, and we should talk about why it's special and and how we got here, right? So, yeah, but I want you to hit me with the plot of this first. So this is, uh, there's, in the Marvel Universe, there's ten realms. Uh, There's Midgard, which is Earth. There's... Asgard, Alfheim, Heaven, Jotunheim, there's all these, and they're all in the Tree of Life as it's, you know, known in Norse mythology, right? And Marvel yes. has incorporated that into their, like, you know, it's very central lore to the Marvel fiction. And right? has been for a very, very for long time. For a very time. long time, right? And there's been a giant war, and there's only one realm left that the dark elf Malekith has not conquered, right? And that is Earth, that is Midgard. And this book opens with... Boom, Malekith being like, all right, here I am. Bam, Manhattan, what up? Ooh, Bra- New York. Bringing like his this. army in to kick everybody's ass. So this is the War of the Realms, but really where we're at at this point when this book opens up is there's one realm left that is unconquered, and it is Earth. And this has been going on for a little while. Like Marvel has been setting up this story for, it seems like, years now. So the entire time, essentially, Jason Aaron has been writing. That's the writer on this book, we should say, comic book master writer Jason Aaron has been writing Thor since 2012. He's been planting seeds for the last seven years. This run of Thor that he's done is just one of the most epic runs of a modern, you know, big company book that I've ever seen. I love it so much. I can't think of a continuous run on a superhero by one creator that is as good as Jason Aaron's run on Thor. Consistently good. Yeah, I like... Maybe Jeff Johns run on Green Lantern over at DC, but it doesn't have the length 
that right. that Jason Aaron has been working on building and tearing down and rebuilding the Thor universe. Yeah, the Jane Foster Thor stuff was some of my favorite shit in comic books, period. Awesome. Yeah, yeah no, you're absolutely right. So good. So how the hell did we get from 2012, where Jason Aaron's just kind of doing spit spot books, to... This War of the Realms. So we're going to go so fast, you guys, and we're going to post a reading list in the show notes that's got the exact reading order, and it is big. And be intimidated, but I encourage you to go through the Jason Aaron run of Thor. Yeah, what's the worst that can happen? You're just going to read a ton of really good comics? You're going to read oh, a, no. a ton of good books. You might have to spend a bunch of money, but hey, it's great. Um, so the first story he ever wrote for Thor was called The God Butcher. And this is a character named Gore who's disenchanted with gods. Uh, because they, he prayed to his gods and they didn't save his family. So he vowed to kill all gods. And the irony is here is he becomes a god and he starts slaying gods across all pantheons, across all universes, and eventually uh, he's coming after Thor. And uh, this first story arc is nothing short of epic, you guys. I'm going to say nothing other than that except go read The God Butcher immediately, if not sooner. It's Thor Volume 1, The God Butcher. This is the start of the legendary Jason Aaron run. And then we lo- we skip, you know, there's many volumes in between, but then there's a big Marvel crossover called Original Sin. Which you don't have to read. It's it's pretty dorky. Um, it starts pretty good. It ends pretty bad. But Thor learns a secret. He, he gets uh, something whispered in his ear that makes him unworthy to lift Mjolnir, his ancient hammer. Because only those who are worthy may lift the hammer of Thor. It's inscribed right on the hammer. That's correct. That's how you know. And so he can't lift the hammer anymore, so he's unworthy now. And we jump uh, to a cool book called Unworthy Thor, where this is Thor, he cuts his hair. If anybody's seen the latest Thor movie, Ragnarok, they know the short, sexy Thor do. He's sporting this in (laughs) Unworthy Thor. He's getting drunk. He's just sad because he's unworthy. He doesn't know how he's ever going to be worthy again. Look, sometimes when you're sad, you just got to... Drink some ale and fight some frost giants. You do. This is one of my favorite books in this run because it's just like... Sad, drunk Thor. It's very sad, drunk Thor, and I love sad, drunk Thor. He's like... Picking fights with whoever the fuck is around him. It's very, like, brodacious. It's a very, very good book. No, it's super funny, too. He he normally takes much joy in fighting, but even the fighting is joyless. Yeah. You know? Fine, I'm going to still punch you. Fine. Yeah, so that's a good one. It's one and done. Next, we jump to Goddess of Thunder. Uh, the first volume is when Jane Foster, longtime Thor character and love interest and re- you know relationship with Thor over the years, uh, picks up the hammer and becomes Thor. This is a tragically beautiful tale, you guys. It will break your heart. Jane Foster has cancer, and she's getting treated for cancer. Every time she picks up the hammer, she becomes Thor and saves the world and saves the universe. Every time she puts the hammer down... Uh, she realizes that all the medicine has been like cured out of her body. Like the reaction that the hammer has with the treatment that she's receiving, it like negates the treatment. That's right. So every time she goes in for chemo and then she comes out, she becomes Thor. All that work that the chemo has done yes. to her body is, is undone. And so she, she has no way to continue to be Thor and still get treated for cancer. It is an emotional roller coaster. It's killing her every it's, time. Yeah, every time yeah. she yeah. becomes Thor, she literally dies a little bit. You know, it's it's brutal. It's amazing. It's it's so choice. Uh, I cannot recommend it enough. And then we jump a couple volumes down the road to the mighty Thor, this great battle. Asgard is attacked by the Shi'ar Empire. This is an alien race that's played a huge role in the Marvel Universe over the years. Everybody who has seen the Thor movies or reads any Thor comics knows that the Norse mythology in Marvel is a little technically, it's a little, it's it's technological. 
Yeah. Right. So they have ships and they have technology. It's not just magic and, and God stuff. So the visuals on this, you know, Shi'ar Asgard war comic. Right. So incredible. Spaceships, aliens fighting in this amazing setting of Asgard. Check it out. And then finally, the current run that's going right now is just Thor. Odin is the Odin son is back. He doesn't have Mjolnir. And we're not going to tell you what happened to that. It ha- Something happened to it in the long Seven-year run of comic books, but now he has a thousand hammers. He's got a dwarven weaponsmith who's just cranking out hammers for him, so he's got endless hammers. It's it's super fucking cool, uh, and he uses that in battle. So he'll just be fighting stuff and calling, you know, hammer after hammer, roughing stuff up, and it's great. So, and during all these runs of comics, Malaketh the Dark Elf is is mechanating. He's evading territories. He's planting his seeds. He's taking over realms and. Here but, we are now. And the big thing is he's making allies, right? Because now we get to War of the Realms where those who he, have, yes. he has conquered and those who he's made alliances with have all come together. So now all the realms are attacking. Oh, he's got the dark angels of heaven. Yeah. He's got frost giants. He's just... Weird yeah. beasts, magic creatures. It is a kind of visually overloading when you first see it because there's so many different types of creatures going on. Um, but I thought that was also one of the things that made this book really special is usually on these big summer blockbuster events, it's like one group of people doing something bad, right? But with this, we get all that lore. And I don't think you need that lore to, to appreciate this book. I think you really can pick this book up and get right into it. Jason Aaron has done a great job of making an accessible first issue. Wait, did you just say this is a great jumping on point? I think it is a cool cool jumping on point. I okay. do too. Yeah. I totally do. Yeah. And there's a lot going on, but they have some good diagrams. They explain it really well. This is one of my biggest critiques about these big summer blockbusters is that if you're not an active reader, if you're not like a major fan of comic books, you have no idea what's going on. I think Civil War II, which happened a couple years ago, kind of suffered from that a little bit. But War of the Realms, at least number one, seems shockingly accessible. And and I think they did a really great job with that. And dare I say, epic. It's so epic. It's just, there's so many big moments. And to go back to what you were talking about, there's so many creatures and characters and every scene is so, you know, rich with action. Uh, and it's all brought to life, we should say, by a guy named Russell Dowderman, who has been on and off the artist for the Thor series for years and years. And he has this very, very crisp, clean line art that he's able to draw a million things in frame. I mean, because there's so much stuff in the hands of a lesser artist. It would look in, in like a John Romita Jr. art style. You would just have no idea what's going blob, on. Like it would be what? a blob. It'd yeah. be comically terrible. Yeah. yeah, but he does. He do, you can see every one of Thor's little arm muscles, yes. and it's so you can clean. see the veins in the forehead of the frost giants. It's just very thin and very deliberate. Takes us to all these different realms, which is really cool. Um, but it just every place looks different, and we're getting team ups of like these legendary Thor kind of back characters, Odin and Freya and all these great characters, and Spider-Man. And usually I'm not a huge fan of these big summer crossovers, but this one has me hook, line, and sinker. It was it was legit a blockbuster. I was reading this, and it just felt like exactly what it's billed as. It's a big, bombastic, fucking a million characters on screen, yep. action-heavy there yeah, was, it was fast paced. Fast paced. Yep. Enjoyable. It was funny. Like it was witty. There was great quips. Yeah. Good LARP joke. Great Spider Man. Yeah. 
Spider Man was so on point. He cracks off a couple good ones. Yeah, yeah. I just yeah. want to read Jason Aaron's Spider Man forever. I, I will say, I am a little bummed. I thought we had gotten past doing the 80 issue, got to read everything to know kind of what's going on. My hope is that all we're going to have to read is War of the Realms and that all the other stuff is just kind of supplemental because I, I really would like to get past these giant events where you have to buy all these comics that you wouldn't normally buy. I always, always agree with that. There's only been one exception, and that was Secret Wars a few years ago where overwhelmingly the tie-in stuff was good. But, man, it was a, it was all I read for, like, the whole time it was coming out. For Absolutely. three months, I spent all my money and all my time on Secret Wars. Yeah. It was pretty damn enjoyable, though. But here's hoping that uh, War of the Realms, the core series, will be enough. And I think even with Secret Wars, the core series was plenty enough. Yeah. You know, so if these six issues can be can stand alone and be awesome, then fine. Your, your mileage may vary on all that other shit. I hope Of so. which there's so much. Uh, in the show notes, we're going to post... A, a checklist for all the stuff, all the books, just in case you want to know what's out there. There are some cool creative teams on a lot of these books. Uh, the McElroy brothers from the Adventure Zone are doing Journey into Mystery next week, so that's that's fairly exciting. And uh, there's some other cool stuff. Like if you go to marvel.com backslash War of the Realms, they made a theme song for the comic book, which I played right before I started reading it. It was actually totally sweet. It's sort of this that's awesome. epic, a uh, little bit rock and roll, little classical, like... Uh, jam, uh, and there's some great videos up there. There's like, if you want to get caught up on what this story is all about, there's a great video that's just like an interview with Jason Aaron and the creative team. Like, hey, this is this is the last seven years of shit, you know, really boiled down. But so yeah, check it out, War of the Realms. That's I think that's six thumbs up. I loved it. Oh yeah. So there it is, War of the Realms, and them's all the comics we read this week. Yes. Every week we make a recommendo that is not a comic book or a board game because we do other stuff. Than we have that. lives. We yeah. have lives. Yeah, we're real people. <laughs> we're... <laughs> we don't just read comics all day every day. Yeah, man, come on, yeah. get out of here with that. Yeah, weird. Aaron, uh, what's your recommendo this week? My recommendo this week is a YouTube channel uh, by a guy named Gavin Weber. You can find this. His username is just Gavin Weber. This is an Australian man who just makes cheese. You would. Yeah, he just teaches you how to make cheese. I love cheese. He is the, you know, the painter Bob Ross. Yeah. Yeah, who's just like calm and gentle and just like, there's there's no such thing as mistakes. It's just happy little accidents. Nice. He is the Bob Ross of cheese making. Does he have a dope afro? Oh my God, no, he does not. Okay, that's fine. (laughs) That's not a disqualifier. But he's really pleasant to listen to and like there's a lot of cheeses and he just, he sells cheese kits as well. So if you want to make cheese at home, like he just shows you how to do it and provides you with a kit. Nice. Yeah, it's very, very pleasant and wonderful. And I love it. Cool. Marcus, you got any recommendos? Yeah, I do. After our board game extravaganza last weekend. When um, I kicked your ass? I picked up some Pickled spicy Brussels sprouts. Ooh. And I will say since Sunday, today is Tuesday, I've gone back twice to get more of them from my refrigerator. Wow. So one a day? Yes. You're re- eating a whole fucking jar of them a day? They're not, it's not a jar. It's like a little container. They're excellent. I, I pan fried some of them. Uh, wow. Oh, they were do you, so do good. Do you cut them in half with the Cut them in fry? half, yeah, and then let them get crispy. Ooh. Pickled spicy Brussels sprouts. Find them. 
worth it. Do it. Curtis, how about you? What's your recommendo for the week? I am going to recommend, I made, so avocado toast is old news, but we made some homemade avocado toast. Dudes. Okay. Nutty hearty bread. Thin spread of goat cheese. Sliced avocado. Or you can smash it, I guess, if you want to, mm-hmm. you know, be a crazy barbarian, maniac. Yeah. yeah, barbarian, smash it, fine. Uh, soft boiled egg cut in half. But here's the secret ingredient, you guys. It's Tejin Classico seasoning. Uh, is You cannot do it without this. So this is chili pepper, salt, and lime. And literally, avocado toast without it, fine. It's delicious. With the seasoning, fucking next level. It will be your favorite breakfast. Was this a mistake? Had. Did you just happen to put it on or did you read about it somewhere? No, we just thought it would work because of the, the we had it, we we're looking at what we could sprinkle on top because, you know, we we're like, we need a little color, a little, a little seasoning paprika, on here. Yeah. You know, paprika, something like this. We're like, hey, what about this? Boom. Chili, lime, salt, perfect. That just sounds like guacamole on toast. Uh, yeah, not really. No, not. It's very light. The, such a hater. I don't oh. like avocados. What so. are you talking I, about? I don't know. It's. I have a pact with myself, and my mom is the one that got me started on this. Every single year at the beginning of the year, I retry some a food that I hate. Yes. To see if I like it. Make that avocados every year. I try avocados every year, and I try tomatoes every year. It's a texture thing. Avocados, the I, perfect food. Uh, okay. <laughs> it's fine. I still love you. I'll let you win this one. <laughs> Thank you. And yeah, that- see, <laughs> I am capable of letting go of winning, Marcus. Anyway. No comment. <laughs> <laughs> and that's going to do it for Super Skull this week. Our producer and editor is Aaron Polk, and our music was created by A-Bomb. Super Skull is recorded every single week at the Ann Arbor District Library, except sometimes when it's not. Please subscribe, download, and review The Super Skull Show on iTunes and Stitcher and Spotify if you would. Those reviews are super helpful. And if you don't want to give us one, that's fine. Just tell somebody about the show. Super helpful. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and our website, Super Skull Show, is how you find us. If you could open your heart and donate a dollar an episode, five dollars a month, that makes this whole thing work. Superschoolshow.com slash donate is where you do it. Open your frost giant sized wallet. Yeah, that's <laughs> you know? Yes. And we want um, we want SUV sized dollar bills. I don't know if anybody us. can donate to us now that where the realms has started. They're just gonna be spending all their money on comics. Yapes. Super Skull is brought to you by Vault of Midnight Earth's finest comic books and stuff and fangs and podcasts since the year of 1996. My name is Curtis Sullivan. I'm Marcus Schwimmer. And I'm Aaron Polk. And, and we, we wish you good reading until next week. If I asked you to dance, I would say no.